0: the high desert in the great American Southwest West. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. John, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us. You with us. You with us. you with us.
1: Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. For any new listeners, this is a podcast where two brothers analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show, Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I am the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother.
2: Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Alexander Hamilton to your George Washington, except you ain't gonna get me
1: in no duel. Oh, little little Hamilton throwback! It seems little like
2: Hamilton throwback.
1: Little so. Lin Manuel today, I love
2: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Ain't well, gonna, Chris ain't gonna catch me in New Jersey, That's no all I'm sir. Say about that?
1: No, don't don't ever get near New Jersey. That's all I know. Yeah,
2: don't the trash should keep you away. But if it doesn't,
1: they're they're now on the list of maligned states. Uh, That's right. Chris, there's, there's a reason why I brought you on this call today. Okay. And it's because we have an episode. Uh, <laughs> okay. What's the episode today, Paul? So today we are going to be covering ancient weapons of mass destruction built by aliens, wormholes and stargates, and then we're going to wrap up with some listener calls, including one guy who claims to have used Nordic rune magic to turn himself invisible.
2: Whoa. Whoa the invisible
1: man we got some interesting things on this is going to be mythologist william henry uh he is a nashville-based mythologist which is apparently a
2: shout Uh, out to nashville
1: yeah great great city there uh art bell interviewed him on september 2nd 2006 so this was one of the many times that he retired and then came out of retirement and then retired um now quick note
2: that the lineup i would want to come back and talk about this yeah that's fair this is a great lineup of stuff <laughs> you you who doesn't
1: want to do all these things
2: with this yeah guy? uh ancient sh- yeah. alien weapons of mass destruction are you kidding me yeah dude and stargates yeah come on dude. well
1: wait are you do you mean the kurt russell early 1990s film i was gonna say that's actually an important caveat here chris there there are two different types of stargates right The first one is the very real Stargate Project, which was a secret government program designed to create psychic soldiers. Okay. So basically Stranger Things, right? That was all real. That was called Project Stargate. And then there is the 1994 science fiction cult classic film starring Kurt Russell that is about interdimensional portals that were left by aliens who came to Earth to become gods. We're going to be talking about the latter.
2: We're going to be talking about alien god portal beams.
1: Yeah, this is Kurt Russell Stargate.
2: Mode. Yeah, Kurt Russell kicking alien butt 1990 style. Game. Which
1: also spun off into multiple TV series, including Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. The latter of which only lasted one season, sadly, but it was actually pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> I was apparently the only person who watched it, is what it seems yeah. like
2: yeah you may have been
1: i was i was the one viewer but before we get into any of that madness chris we we got tim banal dude
2: we gotta see what timmy's up to don't short sell tim dude we gotta
1: see what tim is up to
2: Tim, yo tim gives us some of the best content
1: you know i love too. at the end of every episode nowadays george nori shouts out tim banal and it just it warms my heart because i'm like he's getting the recognition he deserves do you think that's because of us I don't know. I don't know. I bet that's because of us. I mean, we're giving
2: the love to Timmy, dude.
1: We are. I wonder if if he has a Google alert set for his name. We've definitely popped up on his feed. Multiple Um, times. I'm also going to say non-zero chance that Graham Hancock is also aware of us because based on the interviews I've watched, that man definitely has a Google alert on his name. Uh Uh-oh. So just saying.
2: We love you, Graham. Graham. Graham may listening.
1: Well, this this episode kind of reminded me of him a little bit. Uh, yeah, but it brought in the aliens, which he's missing. He doesn't. He hates the aliens. He fact. hates the aliens. But that's my favorite part. It's like he takes out. It's like if someone read to me Harry Potter and took out the magic. It's like, what? Get what, out what of you? here! What are you
2: that's doing? That's a trash. That's a that's a trash statement. Anyways, tim Timbinal, tim coast to coast, AM blog hitting us
1: with exorcism at Bible camp sparks outrage. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Wouldn't
2: that be a good place to get an exorcism? Well, I think the problem is that it's a children's
1: camp. I don't know if you're supposed to do that Uh, at a children's camp.
2: Yeah. If the child is the one that needs the exorcism, having a bunch of children do it, do the exorcism on this child. Probably not the most effective. Well, I'm not sure if that's
1: exactly what happened, but let's let's okay. get into the article.
2: Get into it. Tell me okay. what happened.
1: A Bible camp in Canada is under fire after a staff member performed an exorcism on a teenage attendee and left those who witnessed the ritual shaken by the unsettling experience. The- so,
2: Paul, I'm I'm already shocked by this uh, the beginning of this story because there's Christians in Canada i believe there are
1: in fact christians in canada yes i thought they were a godless people paul you're you're confusing canada with california oh yeah the seas confuse me the very weird incident which came to light this week reportedly occurred back in july at the redberry bible camp the province of saskatchewan see yeah that's not a real place I think there are about 10 people in Saskatchewan, though. Like, There's no one there, right? No, there's
2: reindeer in Saskatchewan. Oh. That's about it. That's fun. That's a nice place to have a camp,
1: then. Reindeer Christian Camp. So following several days in which staff member Carlos Dorkson is said to have cautioned the children. First off, terrible name, Dorkson. There's a
2: lot going on with that name, dude. Dude, Carlos Dorkson
1: is a a weird name.
2: that, there's too
1: much dude, that going is also, on
2: with that name dude, i can't figure it out i don't like
1: it you do not want to have the last name dorkson at a camp for teenagers either i don't care if they're no. christian or not dude that does not play you can call me mr dorkson so he he's cautioned the children that they could be possessed by demons at any moment his words of warning reached a crescendo when one of the boys suffered a nosebleed and began convulsing on the floor Rather than provide medical attention for the youngster, the man set about performing an exorcism on the triple team. They got this kid so hyped up that he has a seizure. and yeah. this guy's
2: first response is, kids, it's time to do the exorcism
1: he I bet you he loved it too. like he got to oh, put he on was the so show excited. He's he like, was everyone, so excited. Step back. I got Dude, this. This is a real demon. He's this, this yeah, is really Satan. Talking it up for weeks, finally yeah. gets to have his show.
2: One on one. The, the duel like Alexander Hamilton,
1: dude. Yeah. This is he's going to New Jersey
2: mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, except yes, uh his Aaron Burr is the devil. It's the yes, it's Satan. Yeah which is fun for him. So following the ritual, the self-described apostle went so far as to hand out business cards to the campers with the caveat that he was the only person who could cast demons out of them. So he's running a grift is what he's doing. Big time grift, dude. dude. He's got business cards ready to go. Yeah. As one might imagine, the teens who watched the exorcism unfold were unnerved by what they saw. And shortly after, four of the boys went so far as to call their parents in the middle of the night (laughs) begging them to take (laughs) them home.
2: Yo, mom, dad, you got to get me the hell out of here, dude. This is stuff's getting weird. Kids having a seizure, dude. This guy's handing out business cards. I
1: don't know where you've dropped me off. I am not down for whatever is happening. Please. Yeah, this
2: is weird, but this is what it means to be a Christian in the the 2020s. Get me out
1: of here. I'm converting. Let's go to a temple next week. I'm done with this. Yeah,
2: so uh, yeah. Well, here's yeah, any of the
1: temple religions, dude.
2: judaism hinduism buddhism get me in a temple dude i can't deal with these christians out in the woods man way
1: better vibes at the jewish temple man i'll tell you what so they have a quote from one of the parents here i arrived and my son is cowering in the corner clutching a bible one father recalled (laughs) he went on to explain that the camp quote told me it was necessary to cast out multiple demons and that it was a spiritual event Oh
2: my god, this is terrifying. These parents did not do their homework. No because here's the thing, people like this can't hide this. Mm-hmm. You go to websites that people like this run that they've created, you know it immediately. You're like, oh, this is this is an insane person. Yeah, the this- yeah. This is a mentally unwell person who has
1: lived their whole entire life on the internet. And that's why you have to quality check your Christian Bible camps, guys, Got okay? To. Always. Cuz like you said, if especially if, if, yeah. in
2: the middle of nowhere Saskatchewan.
1: If this is the type of individual who is going to see a child having a seizure and say, well, "Let me do an exorcism." They can't hide that in conversation. That's going to be obvious yeah. immediately.
2: Yeah. Immediately. So immediately uh, back to the bad article. parenting, dude. This is another case of bad
1: parenting. Back back to the article. Another parent who retrieved her son from the camp said that she is still in shock over what happened and revealed that during a subsequent family vacation, the teen was too terrified to go outside lest he encounters sinister spirits. Meanwhile, the- yeah, dude, these kids all have PTSD. <laughs> They're completely screwed up. Meanwhile, the counselor who performed the exorcism has expressed no remorse over his actions and insists that, quote, there were definitely multiple demons inhabiting the boy's body.
2: <laughs> this this was without awesome. a doubt, this kid was possessed. I did what any normal human would do. I kicked those
1: demons butt. This guy is so metal, dude. He he does an exorcism on a seizing child, scares the shit out of a bunch of children, and there's like, yeah, what do you think I was gonna do? It was a bunch of demons. You think fighting Satan is an easy thing to do? This is a hard thing. Your kids should be scared. Gotta break a few eggs if we've got to make them an omelet, man. That's that's how that's it goes. That's right. This dude's doing the Lord's work, man.
2: No, this <laughs> so- guy's insane. This, this guy, guy say insane. Insane. this guy this is, is a, they, they let this guy get around children is horrifying like it, canada do better in the business card part too man yeah. you just passing I'm an american cards. and I'm telling you do better canada whew,
1: whew. so uh, although the irate parents say the directors of the bible camp fully backed all of this and told them that we've had satanic activity in the past It would appear that the facility have since cut ties with the counselor behind the ritual after the Canadian media caught winds of the peculiar case. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, that's not surprising at all, dude. They are about to
1: have zero people at their camp. Yeah, especially if they back it initially, and they're like, no, no, it's cool, dude. We've got a bunch of Satan stuff here at the camp. You know, we got to exercise it. (laughs) Yeah, what what do you think we're going to do? (laughs)
2: <laughs> no nah, man there's a ton of devil stuff but we took care of it it's not here anymore
1: yeah it's like what do you do when you have some spiders man you put a spider trap down we exercise the demons
2: yeah i mean they were all over this camp don't get us wrong but we've taken care of it
1: <laughs> but we're send your children back please <laughs> but it's
2: in, to no demon camp <laughs> in saskatchewan middle of nowhere canada with 15 reindeer send your child here please what are the demons doing out there it's a lame place to be for a demon dude i would rather get haunted doll duty (laughs) than get saskatchewan duty dude is that was that
1: episode two throwback i think the yeah, whatever yeah. we did the the British dolls, the dude. British Doll Museum. Yeah, that's yeah. uh that's a good one. man. That would be better. At least you get to hang out in a house and not with a reindeer and get peed on, probably. Yeah. Well, Chris, let's jump into our episode for today. Let's go. So this is Art Bill's interview with mythologist William Henry from September second, two thousand six. So, like I mentioned, William Henry is based out of Nashville, and according to his website, he is a consulting producer of the History Channel's Ancient Aliens. Fantastic. Uh, He is the host of Gaia TV's series, Awakened Soul, and has also written books like The Cloak of the Illuminati and the, quote, Skinularity is Near. Skinularity? It's singularity with the word skin. What does that mean? We're going to talk about it. (laughs) It's weird. It sounds gross. It sounds, it's yeah. I can't really get over his obsession with human skin and its uh <laughs> it's the, role in the. It's evolution. the largest uh,
3: organ
2: on our body.
1: Yeah, and it's, and we don't do yeah. anything with it. It's the key to our evolution as well. So that's important.
2: No, well, there could be something to yeah. that.
1: So number one, we're going to start with with just quick ancient civilization concepts, right? Art very much feels that there were civilizations before our current one, you know. Uh, Which that's one of the reasons why I love art. Yeah, he's he's into it. it's very very Graham Hancocky here.
0: Yeah. Somehow the civilization that we all see around us right now, um, and we assume it's it's been the only one of its type, um, has not been. I have this feeling that uh, there were there were days in I don't know millennia gone past when there was another civilization here and something managed to wipe virtually almost all traces of it away. Do you agree with that?
4: Oh, I totally agree with that. I think that that likely many, many people believe that as well. It's an an intuition. It's perhaps, even for some, a past life recall.
1: So I do like the idea that there is a past life recall of ancient civilizations. That is kind of fun.
2: Yeah, that is fun. That's kind of that... um... That old idea of there's like genetic wisdom mm-hmm. and that a lot of our basic survival skills are almost inherently with us.
1: Mm-hmm. Like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Inside yeah. the DNA. Yeah. You got to unlock it in the uh, anibus, whatever that super machine was called. So, yeah. So we got, we got ancient civilizations potentially, right? And yep. art pivots the conversation pretty immediately to ancient WMDs. So, <laughs> so those
2: ancient civilizations, they had to have a way to destroy themselves, right? Yeah. Oh,
1: of course they did. Yeah. And it's 2006. WMD, still hot topic. Yeah, hot topic, baby. Still hot, hot topic. So what evidence do we have that these ancient civilizations had WMDs? Biggest one, Chris, one of your favorites, the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go.
4: Well, you find uh, the, the mythological record, the scriptural record, offers insights into that question. Uh, you, you have references to actual devices. For example, the Ark of the Covenant is considered to be a holy object, but it, in fact, is responsible for as many as 65,000 deaths. That's a weapon of mass destruction. And so when we, we look to stories like that and we compare them with the historical record— it suggests that that's uh, a good possibility that that device was in fact used as a as a weapon.
1: Which sixty five thousand deaths back then, I feel like was you know half the population. Yeah, dude. Right. I mean,
2: that's a that's a that's a huge amount of people. Where does he get that number from?
1: I don't actually know. I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, it killed 65,000 people. That's oddly specific. He doesn't he didn't clarify that. He just kind of dropped and kept going. Where did Jeff you Cohen. get that number from? Now, he did dig a bit deeper into what exactly the ark was. So, yes. I, I I know we discussed the ark of the covenant very briefly during our second Graham Hancock episode, but he he digs in a bit into what we were kind of
4: extrapolating on, which I yeah, think we...
1: validates our theories. Okay. Let's go.
4: Well, the Ark of the Covenant is considered to be simply a golden box uh, mm-hmm. about the size of a coffin uh, that was lined with gold inside and out. It, it The key point in considering it to be some form of a weapon system involves the, the two tablets of the law that were placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant. It's widely believed by scholars that these these tablets may have been in fact radioactive. They were the source of the of the the death beams that came out of the Ark of the Covenant and they talk about the protective clothing that the priests wore. They talk about references in the Bible in the in the Old Testament to figures who actually touched the Ark of the Covenant and fell down dead.
1: So I wasn't that far off.
2: You were were that far off.
4: You were not
1: that far off. I was pretty dang close. Yeah. I would push back on uh william henry's uh statement that you know a lot of scholars believe this i'm not sure how many scholars think the ark of the covenant was nuclear the, but the
2: vast majority of them believe it's a wmd paul
1: yeah i mean apparently i will say though that your description of the ark of the covenant was very strikingly similar to this guy's
2: uh i i have never heard of this man so we're reading the same people
1: yeah you're you're in the same hype dude but yeah, yeah i i do find that kind of interesting though the idea that there are two radioactive tablets uh, that shoot out death beams i also i don't quite know how that would work i know that you know our nuclear weapons aren't death beams they're bombs but it is it is interesting this is, is a more advanced technology paul that's how it's able to be done that's true and then it just shoots out all right well it's more controlled i guess yeah you're not destroying the entire area and like laying waste to it you can you know just kill the people that you want to he
2: kill. doesn't say how big of an area he destroys with that sixty five thousand people i mean back then dude that could have been like all of a country <laughs> that would have been europe yeah <laughs> that's true there were a lot less people Uh, oh my god dude yeah that could have taken out whole swaths of humanity well but here's the thing dude is
1: where did the ark go honestly like where is it i told you in a church in ethiopia i don't know man i don't know well here's here's one thing that we do know chris is that in 2006 bin laden was going after the ark no he wasn't
4: and they talk specifically about osama bin laden as being a key figure who maybe. Presently attempting to step into the shoes of the Mahdi, and actually be the one who will locate the Ark of the Covenant, which would have disastrous effects on the world stage if that were to happen.
2: Dude, it is so hard to even go back to that 2006 mindset, dude. Yeah. it's it's almost impossible to do it. I mean, it was five years after 9/11. You know, we were still Bin Laden-brained. It sounds like it just.
1: It sounds so ridiculous now. Oh, it's it's hilarious. And throughout this episode, I didn't include this part, but later on, we're going to touch on the sword of destiny, which is the sword that killed Jesus. And uh, a- apparently, it's it's theorized, right, by by folks like William Henry, that uh, Saddam Hussein was attempting to recreate the sword of destiny. So the art is like, well, maybe that's why we thought he had WMDs, is that we caught their chatter. And his WMD was actually ancient alien technology. I'm like, wow, we are reaching here. We are.
2: (laughs) This is a reach, dude. But also that's what makes art great, dude. I love that. Like, this is the reason why I love conspiracies and, and paranormal because of the what if game. I love the what if game.
1: It's a fun game. If you gotta just sit back, relax, and, and let it happen, man, it's a fun game to play. Yeah. So, now,
2: if you let it run your life, that's not good. But the What If game is a ton of fun, dude. Playing the What If game with some friends, dude. Hours of fun.
1: Now, here's the thing. Yeah, you got to remember to touch the grass every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, know, I love playing the game. It's really enjoyable. Uh, I have expressed to my wife, though. I'm like, I really hope that I don't start, like, losing touch with reality with how much coast-to-coast I'm listening to now. Because <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Oh, if, I was like, if you ever, if I ever need to pull the plug, you need to tap me. <laughs> <Let> me <know. laughs> you mean double tap in the head? Yeah, I, I was uh I was talking to one of her friends and I was like, Oh yeah, today I was listening to this uh podcast about uh how we're gonna use our skin to create wormholes and she's they just looked at me like what, what the hell's wrong. Yeah, with
2: you? what is wrong with you? Yeah, it's like it's, I don't uh, know, dude. I was talking conspiracy this weekend with a couple of folks, dude, and they were all into it. Yeah, they were digging it. They loved it, and so we may have picked up a couple of listeners, dude, because they were just like, "Wait, you talk about this on a
1: podcast? That's all we do, man. That's all we I was, do." I was
2: like, "Yeah, man, I talk about a lot of it." Project Edgewood, holler at me, get it talk done. Bigfoot, I got you.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, if you enjoying the podcast, uh do the Lord's work and share it with a friend. Nice. Spread the good news. Yeah. Well, here's the big question, though, Chris. We let's have go. these ancient technologies. Where did they come
2: from? That's a very good question. I, I guess it depends on who you ask. But this guy says what, Paul? He says it's aliens. Okay. Which is my favorite
1: version of this answer.
2: Yeah, you love this answer. I'm a little less in
4: love with this answer. Oh, I
1: think it's so fun. Well, let's hear him well, say Well, when you
4: study these devices, the ancient weapons of mass destruction, we we recognize that many of them have connections with beings that Say they came from the stars. That it asks us to consider that outside entities, like for example, that the, the Gnostics called the Archons or the Nephilim of the Bible, lurk yes. behind the scenes and are either egging us on, in other words, helping to provide us these weapons of mass destruction. Or they're viewing our present situation, our present circumstances as some form of a test. So, That's very
1: interesting. Yeah. So, obviously, I like this guy because he brought up Gnostics. You know, Chris, I, yeah. I love the Gnostic Christianity tradition. We I think do it's really love fun. Gnosticism. But the, the other really interesting thing that I like about this guy is that he has, um, I, I think, an interesting view on the aliens that came here and the kind of dangerous effects that they had on humans. Um, okay. and, and kind of how problematic it was, right? So, I, I think that that is a, a fun take. I think a lot of times with ancient alien theory, it's like these aliens were benevolent and they were like doing all these cool things. And then this guy's like, God, nah, these aliens are like colonizers. You know, it was really messed yeah, up. Yeah, these were bad, bad hombres, bad hombres. And I love a good underdog tale. Yeah. And, you know, kind of makes humans the underdog here. You know, I think the
2: best I was thinking when he was talking about this, you know, version of this I kind of like too kind of like our Bob Lazar archaeology theory that these are like ancient weapons found by early humans yeah that would be cool dude like you know the civilization is thousands of years gone right but their tech has stayed and like underneath and this like ancient tribe like comes across it dude that is cool that's a cool idea
1: yeah, and that, I mean, th- you're right. That was one of the cooler parts of Bob Lazar where it was like not crashed UFOs. It was, we discovered these and they're ju- they've just been around. Yeah. Which kind of fits in with the grand scope of the universe, with how gigantic everything right. is. And when you think about alien life and life being created on other planets, when the universe is billions of years old, it's like, yeah, there could be life, but maybe they've gone extinct or they've destroyed themselves or they haven't developed yet, but we have. Like the chances of life being created and us meeting up with it, I like we don't know what that chance is, but it, it feels small, you know. Yeah, right. So, like, what are the the fingerprints of these gods, if you will? Yeah, that we can find. Yeah, like how I did that. I love that, Graham. Graham, baby, we love you. Yeah, mixing a little Graham, dude. Gotta, we'll get him on the SEO. Uh, so here, here's the thing, Chris. We got to get into the wormholes. Yeah, gotta get into the wormholes because that's my favorite part of this. Yeah, you mentioned something about skim wormholes. We're gonna get there. That's we're we got to we gotta evolve into okay. that stage. Okay. First, okay. Let's let's start with the most basic. How did the aliens get here? Yes,
0: uh, it does seem impossible for beings to come from other star systems unless they have a technology that allows them to go faster than light, a lot faster than light, William. But uh, uh, somebody coming or something coming from another dimension or through a wormhole would seem to us uh, every bit as much uh, a star traveler an alien as if they had come from another planet so how do you feel about this
1: so really the idea is wormholes are where they're coming from so yeah what's that's what's, interesting yeah that's interesting
2: that Art believes wormholes go into another dimension. That was kind of an interesting little uh, belief that he threw in there and
1: not that a wormhole could be to another planet. Yeah, and he doesn't really extrapolate that very much, kind of why it's another dimension. I do know he he does mention that you know science at this time uh, especially with string theory and quantum mechanics is talking about there being you know potentially 12 different dimensions. And, right. I was yeah. going to say this is early string theory too, right? Yeah, This is pretty early on and I mean yeah. the I the numbers I've seen on string I haven't got I haven't caught myself up to speed on string theory since you know the old Brian Greene days. Yeah. But uh you know I know that some theorists were saying there was like 96 potential dimensions like, Yeah, it's just a,
2: an absolute crap ton of other dimensions
1: yeah so who who really knows but uh the the thing about those dimensions though is that they're most likely like quantum level and fold on top of each other so it's not necessarily like you can phase in and phase out right it's just like an additional dimension that makes string theory work in a lot of cases so i don't know how possible that would be i doubt that that would be very possible but it's it's a cool thought you know it's a cool thought well What's the evidence for these wormholes, Chris? And this is why I kind of like this guy, why I think he's kind of fun, is because he brings the ancient documents. By which I mean ancient carvings on Egyptian walls, hieroglyphics. Is that what we're looking yes. for? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into that. Maybe Go. there
4: is a race of beings that has answered these engineering questions. As I look back in the ancient record, that the primary... Uh, source of inspiration for me is the visual record. Art, I'm I'm just astounded when you you look back at various, for example, Egyptian depictions of the gods. They show the gods, Ra, for example, riding on his Ark or Bark of the Millions of Years, which he sails into eternity. And very often, Ra is shown on this Ark sailing into a gate of stars. And I I call that a stargate. So we got there.
2: Dude, there's a lot of weird stuff with the Egyptians, man. There really is. Dude, they loved the cosmos. They really did. And it's
1: weird. It's like a weird amount. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. This is where it, it is quite literally the movie Stargate with Kurt Russell is that it right. was the, the Egyptians were worshiping aliens that came right. to Earth and were coming in Stargates. Uh, and then they became their god. Specifically, Ra was the bad guy, I believe, of Stargate uh, we even we had. Do you remember the Sega Genesis game we had a Stargate growing up? Yeah, we cool. had the
2: Stargate game. <laughs> it was yeah, a great right. game. <laughs> but but it's and you get tastes of it right because in in the Bible in the Old Testament we learn about the Jews being enslaved by the Pharaoh and the Exodus and all that stuff and it's kind of in the movie they kind of play with that and that they did take humans back to their
1: planet. Mhm. Yeah, which is quite interesting. <laughs> so, there's a lot in the visual record of Egypt, right? That kind of points Ponds. to this. Big uh, times. And, uh, another big point that he brings up is that their ships look like what we conceive of as wormholes. But here's right.
4: the incredible thing is that the shape, the design that the Egyptian artists used to portray the ship of Ra is exactly exactly the same way that Stephen Hawking describes a wormhole today. And the question that I pose is, how is this possible? Is Stephen Hawking and Brian Greene and Michio Kaku, are these guys reincarnated Egyptian priests and using this ancient symbolism? Or is modern science tripping upon an ancient sacred primordial science of the gods, which is focused upon traveling the stars through stargates and wormholes?
1: All
2: right, you gotta have a picture of this thing for me, right?
1: Man, I have been trying to find one, and the thing is, I don't know exactly what he's referring to, but okay. what what I have been able to pull up it to me, it looks like a boat do Do yeah. any of these strike you as wormholes, particularly
2: wormholely? so no, i oh, they're long and skinny, you know, they kind of taper off at the end, so maybe that's what he's talking about, yeah, like the two ends could be gates. Yeah, it it could be but, something like that. I mean that, but that's like what a canoe looks like. You know, it's more ornate than a canoe, so that's definitely he's stretching it a little bit for me. Yeah, I, I do. More also interesting. Think, yeah. There's more interesting things that the Egyptians did that are more like alien and space related. Like, there's like actually like semi portal things that the egyptians did hieroglyphics and drawings of and like let's talk about
1: those not like the raw boat yeah and it's way. it's a thin canoe that kind of reaches up and gets a little bigger at the ends and then it's there's stars behind it but it's like yeah that could also we'll be in the show the notes if y'all are interested in seeing it yeah so that that's what he kind of gives us a description it was kind of disappointing when i was googling it so i don't a know if there's another thing that he's talking about but i couldn't find it a little um, disappointing now, when it comes to our ability to access these Stargates, right? They're still here is the biggest thing that that William Hillary brings up. It's just we have to figure out how to access them, how to create those wormholes ourselves. And the thing that's going to do that is the singularity. Now, Chris, are are you familiar with the concept of the singularity? Well, hold up a second,
2: Paul, because I want to make sure I understand this correctly. He assumes that essentially the seed of the wormhole are still here on earth. Mm -hmm. There's multiple of them throughout the planet. And that we just need to know how to open them back up. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then the singularity, if I'm not mistaken, that's like when AI assumes consciousness, right? That is the (laughs) traditional definition. And then we all become a part of the AI.
1: Yeah, well it's like yeah, it's where the AI becomes sentient and it's finally like a self-aware, right? Right. Uh and that's going to be a you know a game changer for human civilization when a computer can actually think properly. Right. Now, his usage of the singularity and this took me an hour to figure out because he doesn't really define it well, is actually the meeting of what is essentially physics and biology. Oh, interesting. So it's almost like um, imagine like converting your body it's like almost like a metamorphosis of becoming a cyborg using like nanotechnology you become, yeah
2: it, it's it's the borg taking over a species
1: yes that that would be the singularity yeah. to him that's the singularity like we become right. the device
2: the borg right
1: yeah yeah, yeah. we're yeah, all so subsumed when he when he mentions the singularity in in this next clip that's what he's actually referring to right And it it has a focus on the skin. His focus here in all things is the skin and what the skin is able to do. That's very interesting. It's also a little creepy. It's a little uh, silence of the lamps.
2: Okay, let's go.
4: (laughs) ...is happening. And the only way that we begin to understand ancient myth is by figuring in advanced theoretical physics over and over again. We, we come across stories of gods coming and going through these gates. Yes. And the notion is is that once human technology passes a certain threshold, the singularity, as it's called by singularity enthusiasts, we're going to enjoy the, the kind of powers and pleasures traditionally assigned to the gods or beings in heaven. Limitless lifespans, if not immortality, superhuman power, powers, ultimately access to the gates, the wormholes that theoretically traverse the heavens
1: so that's going to unlock all of it for us is is yeah. the ability to combine ourselves with physics and science and computers and then we can do whatever we want and we're we're free and we're immortal
2: yeah i don't know if i uh i believe all of that stuff will happen but it will be a huge step for us yeah and we're we're kind of already seeing the beginnings of it um i mean i think we're much closer today well, of course, we're much closer today than we've ever been. But this in 2006, what he is imagining as science fiction. I mean, I think he would be amazed if he saw what we're doing now.
1: Yeah, it could be. because I mean, a lot of cool things are happening. And I also I really I kind of enjoyed his idea of taking our current understanding of theoretical physics and then applying it to past events uh, now. I don't believe that's a good way of actually studying history, but it is kind of a fun exercise in pattern matching. And I think it kind of goes to looking at, um, you know, the, the arc of the covenant being like, Oh, that could be a nuclear weapon. Right. Right. Do I actually think it was probably not, Uh, but I think, I think it's kind of a a fun way of looking at history. If you are, you know, kind of just chatting with your buddies. Right. So the
2: the, what if game, what
1: if, yeah, it's cool. So, we we have this singularity that we need to achieve, right? And the idea right. is that by getting to the point where we can access Stargates, we've already achieved immortality. We've become immortal.
4: Okay. Modern science focuses on the out here. They focus on uh, how are we going to find the exotic matter that's going to open the throat of the wormhole? How are we going to protect the human going through it? The difference is, is that the ancients focused not on the exotic matter in the wormhole itself they focused on the transformation of the human preparatory to entering that gate and that's a critical difference that we don't see exemplified in many of the texts about uh, wormholes and and traveling through stargate what,
1: so- the the idea being is that wormholes are constantly popping in and out of existence at the quantum level. Okay, so right. Physicists yeah. say, you know, we would have to figure out how to make the wormhole bigger for anyone to move through it. And then he's saying, no, you just need to prepare yourself to move through what's already there.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. We are the
1: wormhole. Sort of. Yeah. It's like basically because he he gets further into this. Human consciousness sits inside of like one point in our body, and what we need to do is be able to transfer that point of consciousness through the like quantum wormhole that is already popping in and uh, out of existence, and then yeah, we can traverse dude. the universe.
2: Yeah, this was the thing about string theory, right? They one of the things that had to happen is that there was always these like micro black holes forming.
1: Yeah, it's just popping in and out, popping in, yeah, and out. yeah, and so, showing up all the time. But-
2: so instead of black hole, it's wormhole. And, yeah, just know, And honestly, they may be the same thing. We don't know, but
1: that's very interesting. Yeah. So he's got some fun ideas, I think, you know, he's got some he, fun ideas. But yeah, been, he is
2: leaning pretty heavy into the into string theory, though.
1: Yeah, he seems to have really yeah, I'm sure he read some Brian Green books, you know, uh, Elegant Universe and was just like, this is dope and then started merging that with ancient aliens. Right. And, And like I said, Chris, so it's this prepping for the Stargate that's going to make us immortal, not the ability to use the Stargate itself. It's like to get to the point where we can use the Stargate, we have to be immortal in order to go through.
4: Describe it, first of all, Uh, as entering the field of the blessed, which is a really um, um, powerful word to me. When you talk about a field, you're talking about a plane, but you're also talking perhaps about an energy field. And what they sought to do was to match their frequency, their vibration with this field or Mm -hmm. dimension. This is why I feel that we see so many examples in ancient art of God's standing in the gate. It's almost as if they're in some kind of a decompression chamber, an intermediate realm between the earthly world and the heavenly world. And what they're trying to do is match their frequency with the dimension of the blessed. Bingo,
1: William. Bingo. So we have to match our soul's frequency to the frequency of the blessed, which is this like ancient Egyptian term, apparently using their book of the dead. And then that's going to allow us to feed through the wormhole itself and like phase into it.
2: Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But you would, you would need such a higher level of understanding to even be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd almost need like, you would need a much further technology, but also like, the species as a whole would have to be way more enlightened.
1: We'd have to be more enlightened, more technologically advanced to the point of immortality. For us right. to be able to do this, which to me, this feels like a really far off pipe dream of us ever accessing these Stargates. But apparently this guy thinks that it's pretty possible.
2: Yeah, man. I, well, but the universe wouldn't want some a species to access this technology or this capability if you weren't at a point where there was no ill will, right? Where there was no positive positive vibration, I guess.
1: Yeah, that, that does run counter though to his idea that these aliens weren't very good folks, you know? You're right you're right about that which is difficult to because like if they had re- i think that we kind of found a bit of a flaw in his argument if they had reached that point this is the only flaw out there uh if, if they've reached that point they they shouldn't have been assholes when they got here his
2: aliens were definitely coming through the stargate
1: yeah yeah i they guess were. so huh yeah.
2: that's how he's been talking
1: that's what he's been talking about
2: interesting uh found a flaw
1: now we might have found a flaw there, Chris, but going back to Bible things, um, Elijah, if you're familiar, also was using
4: wormholes.
2: Big time, dude. Big he time wormholes was using And wormholes. one of the other
4: key things that goes along with this ancient Egyptian and Sumerian and, and other artwork that I study, and again and again there is a cloak or a garment that is involved when figures go into these gateways. A classic Mm -hmm. example is the story of Elijah uh, going into the whirlwind at Gilgal. He turns to his priest, Elisha, and transmits to him a garment, And, and whether that is a literal physical garment or if it's a teaching that enabled Elijah to match the frequency of the of the whirlwind, let's call it a wormhole, and enter the other dimension it we're we're not sure
1: so that's just more evidence from uh you know ancient scriptures that that these wormholes are real and it, it points more to the skin as being the key here
2: yeah the cloak the cloaking and teaching is a funny one but his his idea that you would need to wear some kind of cloak or something seems somewhat interesting and it would be like somebody saying, like, oh, I wore a shirt and talked about it and being and saying, like, this shirt now has magical properties and it's I'm I just always wear a shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah.
2: the main form of clothing was cloaks back in the day.
1: Mm hmm. And well, and it also he just has this weird obsession with like skin and like clothing for this concept, like. Here's a clip where he talks about our skin becoming a computer.
4: Because while right now we wear our computers, In the coming years, next probably five to seven, more and more, we're going to see that human skin is in fact the platform where these technologies are going to converge. And what we're going to be doing is creating a new cloak or garment for humankind.
2: Nice.
1: Now, Chris, this was in 2006.
2: This guy guy loves skin.
1: This guy loves skin. This was in 2006. Are you familiar with any skin-based computers that you've seen so far?
2: What I think he didn't see properly happening was that we as humans don't like surgical stuff yeah like i don't want things inserted into me i don't want to be cut open and have little nanobytes put in me i don't want that stuff dude it's just not like at all interesting now give me an apple watch Give me uh, Apple earbuds, give me a phone, give me a headset, give me Google glasses, right? Give me those type of externalities that I don't have to have surgery to get it done and I can take it off. Mm -hmm. And I think he may have been, I mean, again, it was 2006. We We were just so excited about the internet. Yeah, You know, and we were so excited about what was happening with personal computing that it was just like everyone was just like, oh, it's going to be crazy. And so there, of course, were some just wild predictions like you can start seeing some of the skin stuff. But even then, I mean, it's like ridiculous. It's like the guy that got the uh, Tesla key inserted into his body so that like he could like wave his hand. And then Tesla will unlock and start. And I was just like, dude, no one else is going to do that.
1: Yeah. Everyone hates that guy.
2: Everyone hates that guy.
1: That guy has nothing else to offer society. I've seen people who do um, little, what do they call Like biohacking or something. Right. And they'll put like little magnets on their hand or something like that. Or yeah, they'll, they'll put a little chip where they can open their front door and you'll randomly see them online. I'm like, this is your entire personality. Like, this is not interesting.
2: So the magnetic, the putting the magnets in your fingertips is actually a really interesting one for people like electricians oh. and stuff because they could feel- Electrical way.
1: I hate that. I hate that so much. I don't Isn't want that. Isn't that
2: crazy? I
1: don't want that anywhere near me. It makes sense. I don't want that. I thought that was actually pretty cool. Give me a headset that can pick them up. I don't. I don't want that. Yeah, in my the body, Google
2: man. Glass or something like that will be fine yeah. for so, me.
1: So yeah, that don't look lame. You know, the yeah. Google Glass were terrible. But and I think that's kind of what he was getting at is that like I think around this time, like you said, there were a lot of ideas around what was possible, and I think he took it to a weird place. I don't think anyone wants their skin being a computer.
2: This dude likes skin a little too much. <laughs> it to makes me a bad. You totally called that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, so here's an interesting thing, though, is that because we are getting closer and closer, apparently the Stargates are starting to open up. And that's a lot of the weird anomalous activity that that we have been seeing in recent decades is because of Stargates opening in response to our tech.
2: Interesting. It's like, it's getting antsy. It's- yeah, it's getting ready for it. It's getting yeah. ready. It's oh, like, oh, no, humans
4: are going. They're yeah. coming. Yeah, they're a hundred years away. And it suggests to me that maybe that's what we're seeing in these, these hot spots that are suddenly becoming so uh, so p- amazingly prevalent and relevant. Because it, it could be that our, our new technological influence that's happened just in the past 50 years is wiring the brain of the planet. And so what we're starting to see at these instances are the equivalent of neurons that are firing, but also gateways that are opening up.
1: So basically... Like, and they specifically bring up Skinwalker Ranch as one of the locations that is a hotspot, which reminded me of the very famous uh, "something was crawling out of a portal" story, which I think aligns well with this lore. Connecting very much so, (laughs) dude, almost creepily so. Yeah, with there being a Stargate over hotspot areas like Skinwalker, Uh, but he also he talks a lot about the um, the hemispheres of the Earth uh, being like the left and right sides of the brain. And that all of our tech is like neurons firing and the brain of the earth is awakening to then create these stargates, which I don't really get the end of that analogy, but that's...
2: Holy cow, dude. It's the waves. It's the 5G waves, (laughs) dude. Is that what's doing (laughs) it? That they had, they were like, whatever... You know, the 4G world isn't working anymore. The 3G world wasn't powerful enough. We got to keep on
1: upping the G's to get our wave stronger. Until that, so it's, this is the plan of the Illuminati to wake up the Stargates. Yeah, you can't do it all at once. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a slow build, dude. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's slowly getting the engine started. Frogs in the pot, baby. And that joker's starting to bowl yeah we're we're slowly getting there here's the one thing i don't like about this is his idea of stargates seem to be just portals that are like floating out or like you know there are see, he talks about Stargates and he talks about wormholes and being able to access wormholes. And then he talks about the ability to travel through them, but then also talks about hotspots. So there are certain areas where I guess they're more accessible, but yeah. it seems like they're just floating out there. Like there's just one above Skinwalker Ranch, right? Right. I don't really understand exactly what they are. In the movie with Kurt Russell, there is a circle. And those circles have runes. And if you put runes in a certain way, it's a different address, right? That just makes a lot more sense to me. I'm still confused after listening to this and kind of researching this guy a bit, how he thinks these work or how we get anywhere with them.
2: Right. He he seems to be... It's I I, I can kind of see what he's talking about, though, that there is a somewhat randomness to it Because of, like, quantum theory, right? Mm -hmm. So they're coming into existence and poofing out of existence all the time. For whatever reason, there are places in which those are more numerous. These off chances, these the probability goes up Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the world or rest of space. And so for whatever reason... We'll, we'll take skinwalker ranch right energies something about the earth something about the history of the place you add all those together and you get for whatever reason more wormhole creation
1: yeah and that that may be it and it could be a situation of when we are technologically to a certain point then we can create or make it you know go a certain way or something like that i just right. i wanted him to go deeper into that and, and he really didn't on this episode yeah. um but yeah it could be some sort of like you know even in a, in a random uh data set there are going to be chunks of something in certain places right just, you know the patterns of randomness um well he gets a little bit into the spear of destiny chris uh we're running low on time so just to kind of capture what he said essentially the spear of destiny is an ancient technology it's some sort of building and he thinks that saddam hussein was working on it and that was potentially the wmd that that saddam thought that he had and he also thinks that there is one in nashville which is weird Really, at the uh at, at bicentennial park apparently it's in a shape of a spear which is the spear of destiny that's what you need to build is like a, a shape of a spear
2: oh man we're gonna have to go out there and see what happens
1: yeah we'll have to check that out see if we can uh i don't know get god power that's go still god been mode.
2: killing it recently dude they're popping maybe that's, that's why. still growing quick right now maybe that's why man. what a lame use of the spear of destiny just pure capitalism
1: yeah i, I guess you know more bachelorettes is the pure key to- <laughs>
2: urban capitalism yeah, and tourism. They were like, "We're going to be the best tourism destination
1: in the whole world." <laughs> well, I do, I do want to make sure to get to some callers today, Chris. So we have a caller that says that he's using rune magic to essentially phase in and out of uh, like visible light. So he, I think he was specifically spurred on by the phasing into a wormhole. He's like, "Oh, I've done that, but with rune magic." I
2: was gonna say that this is your classic. Has nothing to do with anything this guy has talked about tonight.
1: It's something He's like, you said. Oh, triggered you're talking this story. about
2: <laughs> ancient aliens and stargates. Well, uh, I live in Finland, and I can go invisible. <laughs>
1: That's most of coast to coast callers. That's most That's of them.
3: Unbelievable. Let's check this guy out. And um, I do a lot of the same things you do, William, with you know researching uh, cultures and stuff. Except mine is my basis is the an ancient Norse and oh, cool. some of the Celtic. Mm-hmm. I was doing some Galder, which is uh, rune magic. After the ritual, everybody left, and me and the other person who was doing the other part of the ritual, we stayed and then we walked to the hall. Well, the interesting thing was we got there before everybody else did. And what they saw was two shadow people walking down the path to the hall. Galder, the room magic, is all about uh, intonation and changing your body frequency. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And so- Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we've been uh, talking about, actually.
3: So we were able, actually able to change our body frequency into another state, where we didn't leave footprints in the snow. When invisible. Okay. So
2: I can see a little bit how he made
1: the connection. There, There was a tie. Yeah, it wasn't super it. relevant.
2: It wasn't super relevant, but I can see how he's saying, like, because of his knowledge of magic, mm-hmm. he was able to manipulate the plane and stuff like that. So... Gonna give them I'm gonna give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt on that one.
1: I should have I, made fun of them. I do also love this thing of changing the body's frequency. What the hell does that mean? Like, actually, what does that mean? Like well, the, the way your atoms are vibrating?
2: Yeah, something like that, I would imagine. I, I imagine that we do have wavelengths that come out of us and that they probably can change under different circumstances. Like me at rest is a much different kind of body mechanic as me, super agitated and angry. Right. And so I imagine that you can read that through different ways. And so learning how to, you know, I think people who, who do yoga or people who, do like deep meditation or changing their frequency.
1: Yeah. Which that, that makes more sense. I don't know if that can make you invisible though, is the biggest thing. I don't, I don't understand how that would happen, but yeah, like there's probably some sort of like, yeah, eventually,
2: eventually. Yeah. I think, you know, I, you could probably figure out how to uh, cloak yourself.
1: I don't know if you could do that with meditation. I'm going with
2: eventually. If you understood the language of God and like could like feel the individual atoms inside your body, I think you could do it.
1: You know what, Chris, I'm going to give that to you. If God is real (laughs) and you can understand his language and you can feel your individual atoms you could probably get invisible you <laughs> probably. at that point.
2: You could probably go <laughs> If that's what you really want to do.
1: Yeah. You could totally do it. You could totally do it at that. If you're there, if you're th- that super saiyan dude, yeah, you're good. Um. So one last caller, Chris, to wrap things up. And this is one of my favorite things about going back to the old episodes. What is up with 2012?
2: Yeah, dude. Where, what, what's going on?
1: What was going to happen, man?
3: What do you think about the whole 2012 um, Golden Age theory? Are we, is it a Golden Age or Apocalypse or neither?
4: Well, I, I really like the whole idea of 2012 as a moment of cosmogenesis, to borrow John Major Jenkins' term. And I've locked on to his interpretation of the Maya prophecy that talks about the opening of a the black hole at the center of our galaxy and a serpent rope emerging and the way what John believes – is a valid interpretation of that prophecy is that we can take out the archaic Mayan term serpent rope and insert the modern word wormhole. And we have what the Maya were describing. We're right on the verge of opening up that primordial sacred science. I love
1: that. I saw your face light up on that one, dude. (laughs) I
4: love
2: that idea, dude, because here's the thing. If it happened in 2012 and it happened in the center of our galaxy, we wouldn't know about it yet.
1: Oh, that's where you're getting on it. We it's still wouldn't light know years about away. it yet.
2: It's Helpful. still light years away. It's coming for us. That just happened in 2012. Dude, the Mayans were right. Dude, <laughs> I I love serpent <laughs> the rope. Mayans were right. I love serpent rope becoming wormhole, dude. I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so it's good. fun. It's fun.
2: This is so good, dude. That is such good like connecting the dots.
1: And this guy is pretty good at that too, right? He's like, "Oh, this thing's kind of like this thing. Like let's make it happen." Um I am curious though cuz the Mayans put 2012 as the year that it happens. I guess they would have gotten that information from the aliens? But wouldn't they care more about what year it hits us? No. Because the Mayans were
2: so into space that they would want to calculate when it happened in space, not when we would perceive it.
1: Okay. So all those people weren't wrong about um, 2012. It's just going to take thousands of years to reach us. Well, it could be
2: hundreds. Uh, We don't know how fast this thing moves. It could move faster than the speed of light but not instantaneously.
1: Well, but also if it's a wormhole, it should reach us already. It should be here. Cause it's folding t- time space or space time on top of itself. So. I don't
2: yeah. really know. I yeah. don't know. Well, and that's the thing, right? With these little mini, these little mini wormholes popping up all over the place. We could be able to access it. Yeah. We just don't have the spiritual technological know-how that we will eventually lead into.
1: Yeah. The, so, the other thing I love about this too is that I feel like whenever this guy is looking at um, any sort of archaeological record or ancient pictures of any sort, he just sees something that's long and thin, it's like, put a wormhole there. Like he sees a yeah, canoe, he's did. like, put a wormhole there. You he's know, like, put a wormhole there.
2: When you get, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to ask me a number soon. And I am I going am. to take a point off because of the Pharaoh boat.
1: Yeah. So Chris, um, the one, raw Pharaoh boat, one to watch. five giant space wormhole serpents. What do you give William Henry?
2: I'm going to give him uh maybe like a three and a half. Okay. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I really attached to some of his ideas. Um, you can't, can't read everything as alien technology. Like if if, a raw is riding a boat, it could just be raw riding a boat. Mm -hmm. When an Aztec makes a guy in a space helmet driving in a rocket ship, that one's weird. Mm -hmm. That's a weird one. I don't get that one. I don't know what's happening in that picture. It could be that I don't, have the cultural clues the cultural context for it but a guy riding a boat i got all the clues and all the context because i'm a beach boy dude i know what a boat looks like (laughs) i've been on a boat i knew egyptians had boats sometimes a dude just wants to hang out with his bros drinking some mead on a boat and like i'm not going to take away that from our ancient forebears. Like, there's other weird stuff. Give me, like, the truly weird stuff. So, yeah. three and a half.
1: Three big a half. Big boat guy over here. Big, um, I love boats. Yeah, I, I'm i going to give him a two. Similar to you, Chris, I really liked his story. I'm actually docking one point. I would have given him a three. If it wasn't for the skin stuff, I the thought it stuff is, is weird. weird.
2: The skin stuff is weird.
1: Took me out of it.
2: Yeah, a li- like you said, <laughs> a little too silenced at the lamb, yeah. you know puts the lotion on his skin or gets the hose again
1: yeah buffalo bill the mythologist was it buffalo bill his
2: name? it puts the computer in its skin or it doesn't become a human who can reach into wormholes
1: yeah like the the borg and stuff like yeah we have computers in our brains and stuff and we have like different chips but like nothing about my skin was changing inherently right i don't want that
2: yeah they had like whole sections of like you uh, know tubes computer and, and tubes and stuff yeah. so your skin's going to change a little bit with the Borg, but like your whole skin is, yeah. you still have some biological skin.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's enough skin talk for this week, Chris. Uh, let's, let's wrap it up there. <laughs> no this more is, skin, <laughs> no more skin talk. We're going to do something completely different next time. Cause now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, This has been the Art Bell interview with William Henry from 2006. If you like the show, share it with a friend, drop us five stars wherever you're listening. Uh, And we drop every Thursday. So come back next week for more uh,
4: paranormal radio content. All conspiracy all the time. Later.